Welcome to the Vineyard Boise Sunday Message Podcast. You can join us live on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. on Facebook, YouTube, and vineyardboise.org slash live. Subscribe to our message podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And if you'd like to support Vineyard Boise, you can give online at vineyardboise.org slash give. Today's message is brought to you by Pastor Brent Jones. Enjoy. I am probably going to go a little bit over today, but I'm going to assume that's okay because it's air-conditioned in here, and it's 101 out there. So, it's like hotter than blue blazes out there. That's what we say at our house. This series has been excellent, and if you missed Jerry's message last week, you have to watch it, or listen to it, or read it. I don't care how you get it. If you need help getting it, let me know. I will share it with you. I needed it. I needed to hear a word over my life of of peace, of rest, of Sabbath, and it was just so spot on. Um, So Jerry, wherever you are, thank you very much for that word. I know I told you that uh, last week, but thank you. you. You brought a word in season here to Vineyard Boise, and we're so thankful. Um, I did a little something this week to keep you awake. I told you I'm going to go a little over. I did a little something to keep you awake this week. You might not have even noticed, but I changed the chairs around. And they're a little bit firmer than they were before. Yeah, that's to keep you awake. They're sitting a little further up. Hey, we have new chairs. And yours are the first rear ends to be in them, so lucky you. The staff worked really hard this week to unwrap. Every chair was individually wrapped. Like, how environmentally friendly was that? And every chair was individually shrink-wrapped and, like, like saran-wrapped and had this, like, foam on every leg. It was kind of crazy. But don't they look great? Doesn't it just look so nice and clean in here? Yeah. So take your donuts outside, yo. Don't eat those donuts in here. It's wrong. (laughs) Well, we're in a series called Anchor Passages, and I mentioned Jerry's from last week, but there's been so many excellent ones. It's been so great to hear each of these individual speakers bring a word from God from their life. Hasn't it been refreshing? A word from their life, and in it, we've gotten to see the creativity of God in it as the diversity of the body of Christ comes together and shares, hey, this is what God's been speaking over my life from his word. I've been so encouraged to hear just a fresh take on the word of God through the life of somebody else. And Um, There's been many overarching words over my life. God's given me a lot just in my own personal devotional life and just reading the Bible. But, and, you know, people have spoken words over my life and I've just been, you know, highlighted things. I haven't got anything tattooed on me yet. Didn't seem right yet. And the one I'm going to share today is a little long for a tattoo. I don't know. Maybe. We'll see. Uh, But... There's been a lot of words that I'm like, oh, that, one, that one's been like an anchor. That one's been like an anchor. But, you know, an anchor passage, a life verse, a verse for your year, a verse for your mother, whatever. I, I've heard, I've been in the body of Christ my entire life. And so I've heard this term a lot. And I've always kind of been like, oh, okay, interesting. Hmm, a word in for your life. Oh, an anchor passage. Oh, interesting. Why would God want to give anchor passages? 
because you're going to need it. God gives anchor passages over our lives because we're going to need one. We're going to need it. I love a good devotional book as much as the next guy, but sometimes life isn't all butterflies and buttercream. Life is really hard. And sometimes you need to know that God's there, and you need to know that before you went in. You need that ticket for admission to get into the trial ahead of you. If God's at the door handing out anchor passages, take one. Because whatever's on the other side means you might need it. In some seasons of our lives, we need a word from the Lord to hang on to. We need something to grab a hold of and say, God is still with me. Because anybody that tells you that life is just easy once you give your life to Jesus Christ is lying to you. And so hold on to that anchor verse, that anchor passage, that word that God's spoken in season to you over your life. Grab hold of it. Write it down. Get it tattooed if you must. You can cut that out of the live feed. <laughs> but hold on to it. Hold on to it. Sometimes life is difficult, challenging, seemingly impossible. And in those moments of darkness, what will you cling to? An anchor. An anchor passage or a verse can be like an anchor grip for a climber or a repeller. Will you go ahead and put that picture up, Rob? These are actual climbing anchors on the Matterhorn. These, uh, the photo credit's up there, but you, these are actually driven down into the Matterhorn. Why? So people on their way by can link onto them and have redundancy in their climbing line in case it goes down. In case of crisis, clip on. Clip on before crisis. Because the climb is a little bit difficult, a little sketchy in parts. The road might not be clear. The path might not be clear. So here's an anchor. Here's an anchor for you to hold on to. Sometimes a verse comes along in our lives and we know we better clip on to that. We clip on because the climb might not be easy. So here's my anchor verse. We're going to just read it together, and then we're going to walk through it kind of line by line, and I'm going to bring out a few points from it, but here's my anchor verse. It's Colossians chapter 3, 15 through 17. You can open your Bibles. You can open your phone. You can look on the screen. I don't care, but just read it with me. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That's my anchor passage for today. I remember the night that this verse was spoken over me. I was, I, it was by this like weird prophetic type person. You know them. I mean, you don't know them, but you know who I'm talking about, right? Picture the weirdest prophetic person you can. That's probably pretty close. Um, 
I'm, I'm kind of a perfect person, so I don't mind that. I'm a little weird. But um, I was in Austin, Texas. I was in discipleship school, and I was at an emerging church conference. This was before that was actually a term. That term was actually being coined at that time. It was an emerging church conference in the year 2000. And it was pretty strange. It was this weird, like, interesting, crazy, very unorthodox at this massive church that shall remain nameless in Austin. Our ministry school was there to serve at the conference. We were the ones, like, setting up, like, registering people. We, like, set up every session. We helped the speakers get their water and get their stuff. You know, we were just serving there. We were volunteering there. And we'd driven, actually, from Spokane, Washington to Austin, Texas in a Greyhound. Kate was driving... I'm serious. Kate was driving. She was our, she had the CDL. She drove for our team. And we got down to Austin. We started serving at this crazy conference. And at the end of the conference, after the week was finished, they had this like ministry time for all the volunteers, the team that had been there to set up, which was us. It was in this weird unfinished room of the church. And these prophetic people were all praying, and we walked in, and they just kind of attacked us and, like, got around us and, you know, and just started praying over us and laying hands on us and saying all kinds of crazy things. And I was like, okay. And then this one uh, person came over to me, and they said this verse, Colossians chapter 3, 15 through 17, was going to be a banner verse over my life. And I was like, okay, because I was 22, and didn't care that much. And like any 22 or 23-year-old, I promptly walked away from that and forgot all about it. It wasn't until later that I truly started to mine out the set of instructions and truth that I needed in seasons of my life. So let's start in Colossians chapter 3, verse, verse 15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. You can just leave that up there. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let. Let. Allow. Allow the peace of Christ to rule. Give up your own rule. Lay down your own authority and your own right to fear, your own right to offense, your own right to anger, your own right to anxiety. And let the peace of Christ rule in you. Let it rule. It, let the peace of Christ be in charge of you. It, the peace of Christ will lead you. The peace of Christ will guide you. It will heal you. It will direct you. It will calm you. But you have to let it. Let it. You have to allow it to happen. The peace of Christ doesn't just like overwhelm you and take over. The peace of Christ is let into our hearts through a door that we open. Peace is to be the ruling emotion of our hearts as believers. Peace, to be undisturbed, the undisturbed security of Jesus Christ. There will be a lot of other feelings. There will be a lot of other ideas. There will be a lot of other emotions, wants, and desires. There will be a lot of other triggers. There will be a lot of other feelings that are supposed to rule over them, but what's supposed to rule over them is peace. You can encounter all kinds of feelings. Well, I feel this way. I feel this way. Congratulations. I feel this way. But I let the peace of Christ rule in my heart. See, I allow that to happen. Why? Because I feel like it? No, because I don't feel like it. And when I don't feel like it, I allow him to come in and rule. 
I allow, I let the peace of Christ rule. Peace in my heart, peace in your life, peace in your home, peace toward others. Not simply peace. This isn't a flower power hippie Volkswagen bust down by the river kind of thing. No offense, hippies in the room. It's okay. This is the peace of Christ. In John chapter 14, verse 26 through 28, Jesus tells us what it's like. But Jesus says this. Jesus says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Verse 27, peace I leave with you. Does it say force on you? Peace I force onto you? Peace I overwhelm you with? No, it says peace I leave with you. We let it in. Peace, my peace, I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. See, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. I love that the peace that Jesus gives us, the peace of Christ, as Paul describes it, is referenced by Jesus straight out of his explanation of the Holy Spirit as our helper. The one that the Father sent, he says, in my name, Jesus' name, his peace is his presence. Okay, next line. It says, to, uh, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which you were called in one body. To which indeed you were called in one body. Do you see that there? To which indeed you were called in one body. I love this version. He leaves nothing to our guesswork here. He makes it abundantly clear that we were called to be in the body indeed. You were called to be in peaceful unity with the body of Christ indeed. No question. No question. Why no question? Because I'm going to question. Listen, if, you've ever, if, you, if you're saying you've never questioned whether you should be plugged in as a member of the body of Christ, you're just lying. We all have feelings sometimes where it's like, well, it'd be easier not to go there today. Don't really want to see sister so-and-so this morning. I'd rather not see brother who's it today. It's easier in the short term to unplug from the body, and he says, no, actually live in peace in the body, indeed. Little emphasis. And then this is the line, this is the, the, the kicker here, and be thankful. And be thankful. This isn't like when your mom says, eat your spinach and like it. This is like, live in the body, with the body, with the peace of Christ in you, and be thankful. This is actually the title of today's message. This seemingly tacked-on little phrase is the anchor of my anchor passage. Be thankful. Eucharistos in the Greek. Be thankful. This is the linchpin. This is it. This is the stake driven into the Matterhorn of my life. And be thankful. Notice he doesn't say be happy. He doesn't say be cheerful. He doesn't say be positive. He says be thankful. 
be thankful. Simply thankful. For me, this is it. This is the instruction that I've needed over and over again through multiple seasons of my life. I grew up in church. Uh, my dad was a leader and a teacher in church. My mom was the Sunday school superintendent in church for like a decade and a half. We were in church more than the pastors were in church. I became very familiar with church. Became very comfortable with churchy stuff. I became very familiar with church, church songs, church people, church things, church sayings, church this, church that. I became super comfortable and super familiar with church. And then I grew familiar with God. Familiarity with God is a dangerous thing. Familiarity is, with God is different than knowing God. Knowing God leads to the fear of the Lord, which is healthy. Familiarity breeds all kinds of dysfunction, entitlement, bitterness, pride, and all kinds of gross things. Like the old proverb says, familiarity breeds contempt. Familiarity breeds contempt. In other words, extensive knowledge or close association with something or someone can lead to a loss of respect for them or for it. In the case of our relationship with God, we can get too familiar with him, and soon our hearts are kind of callous to his presence, to his miracles, to his ways, to his instruction, to his people. That's a good indicator. If you can start to think that you know what God will do or should do, if you start to think you know what God will or should do in a situation, you're in a dangerous spot. Well, disobedience to God has very serious consequences, obviously. When we get too familiar with God, he simply stops moving. I want to say that again. Disobedience to God has all kinds of crazy consequences that are negative to our soul. Familiarity with God's, God uh, stops God from moving anymore. You're like, nothing can stop God. God's all powerful. God can do whatever he wants. He can get past my stuff. He knows who I am. He knows that you're speaking familiarly with God. You've got that familiar tone to your voice when you say it like that. I know. I know. I've lived it. No, God can get past all this in my life. Yeah. Sounds familiar. Mark chapter 6, Jesus has this encounter. Jesus goes back to his hometown. I just want to read it because it's super self-explanatory. Jesus, Mark chapter 6, verse 1, beginning in verse 1. Jesus left and went to his hometown. Uh, do you see that? Went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom he's been given? What are these remarkable miracles he's performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son? The brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense to him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not welcome a prophet is not honored except in his own town, among his relatives, and his own home. He could do no miracles except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Notice, notice in that verse right there, they started amazed. Do you see this? Do you see it? 
they started amazed at him. Then they called him a man. See, they started amazed. Then they called him a dude. And it went from dude to a construction dude. Then it went from construction dude to son of Mary. Read illegitimate child. It doesn't say son of Joseph. Do you see this? Amazed illegitimate kid. Whoa. This, this got ugly really quick. Amazed, a man, a carpenter, illegitimate son, illegitimate child, a brother to a bunch of guys we know, and then a brother to sisters. Who is the lowest on the totem pole in a family in that day and age? Sisters. I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying that was. <laughs> Amazed, really small. Do you see what happened in the course of one conversation? First, they're just blown away and amazed at how amazing, oh, isn't he cool? What are these miracles? Whoa, we know him. See, when you think you know, it sucks all, and then it says he could not, he could not perform any miracles there. He healed a couple people. Well, he's God, he can, um, you read it. Familiarity with God reduces the power of God down into, in your life to what you actually believe about him. And sometimes what we actually believe about him might shock us. Once we get too, too familiar with him, once you reduce Jesus, the Christ, down to just some regular Joe, he no longer moves in our midst. Miracles stop flowing. When we reduce him down from being anything less than miraculous and amazing, if you think you understand Jesus and what he can do, look out. What does this have to do with being thankful? You're like, I thought this was your life first. What are you talking about? Okay. A while back, Kate and I were working through some things in our marriage with our marriage counselor. Okay. <laughs> Just seeing if you're good. I don't know. Some people aren't good with that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that's normal. We were working through some things with our marriage counselor, and after two, de after two decades together, over two decades together, we started to get a little, things started to get a little familiar between us. We just, we just kind of, you know, you get on each other's nerves, you kind of just get too familiar with each other, you've been around each other for so long, you just kind of get familiar. We had some things to work on. I know none of the married couples here have ever been in that situation. <laughs> but we were. So our counselor gave us a tool to combat familiarity with each other and help awaken life and love between us. This was it. He instructed us at the end of every day to take turns saying to the other specific things we were thankful for about them that day. Not affirmation. Affirm it was affirming and it felt great. Like it was, it was affirming. But he wasn't like, affirm each other more. He was like, no, every night, look them in the eye and say, I am thankful that you did or were or are this today. What do you think happened? It didn't take very long. 
of recognizing daily how thankful we were toward each other, for each other, for the things that we've done, for who we are, for what was going, for what had happened that day. I'm thankful for how you navigated that. I'm thankful you went to the store today. I'm thankful you fed the chickens today and I didn't have to. I'm thankful that you did. I'm thankful for all of these. I'm thankful for these things you're doing and I'm thankful for who you are. It didn't take long for that to start to become part of our vocabulary. And thankfulness, gratefulness, breaks down the walls of familiarity and contempt in a relationship. And it can do the same thing with God. You're like, I don't have contempt for God. Maybe not, but maybe. Thankfulness helps us. Thankfulness is refreshing. It's why, you know, that's why I shout and dance and clap and sing really loud and worship. It's not because I'm just a super exuberant person. I sing and shout and dance and jump because I'm really, really thankful. In just a few minutes, we're going to take communion together. And we have the opportunity to recognize through this small act what we're thankful for. And I'm thankful that God took an overzealous, sinful, bratty, mouthy jerk of a church kid and reached out and saved me from myself. So that's why I sing and I worship God the way that I do. I'm thankful that he rescued me. He saved me. From my pride, my shame, my lust, my arrogance, everything that he has rescued me out of, he alone receives the glory from that. So I'm incredibly grateful. So when I worship, thanksgiving rises up out of my heart. When I remember. Paul says, be thankful. In this passage, he says, be thankful. He, it's a verb. The, the little Greek uh, thing that's tacked on to the end of this word, I'm not going to dive into it, but it makes thanksgiving into a verb that's active, being thankful. We become thankful when we start to express our gratefulness to God. And thankfulness toward God helps us remember what is important and allows God to move again in our hearts and our lives. I dare say it allows God to move in the church and in the body of Christ when we are thankful in areas where he once was limited by our familiarity with him. Thankfulness can actually give us access to the presence of God. Psalm 100 says, enter his gates with? Enter his gates with thanksgiving in your heart and enter his courts with praise. Thanksgiving actually opens the gates to the presence of the living God. When you practice thanksgiving, when you practice gratefulness and thankfulness, the presence of God is open to you. You're like, oh, he's always open to me. Whoa, did you hear yourself? Familiar much? Thankfulness opens the door, and I go, oh, thank you, God. I always start like this, like the body and the blood saved me. Thank you for saving me. Then I step into his presence, and we can talk about all kinds of things from there. But Thanksgiving opens the door. Okay. Moving on, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. 
Let the word, so let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. His word is to dwell in us and be the source of our teaching and our instruction. Our Bible should be the most well-used book in our lives. Like Pastor Mike spoke about a few weeks back, committing the word of God to memory as often as we can. Uh, Mike, my dad made me commit much of that same book to memory, but it was for the tongue part. I was a little bit, you guys, was anybody here for the book of James? I had to memorize a lot of the book of James, mainly because I was mouthy. I was sassy. I talked back. So they had me memorize the book of James, and it brought instruction to my life. For the most part, I, I, I can actually give an entire message out of this next point but, about worship, but I'll just quickly say that Paul gives important foundations for how we do, are to worship God here. Singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. He chose specific words. He wasn't like, praise God however you want. You can just do whatever. He didn't say do whatever. With praise, he says this. Sing a psalm. That means to pluck, to pluck an instrument. Music with lyrics and instruments. It's poetry set to music. He says sing a hymn. A hymn is a song of praise to God, specifically celebratory praise to God. Why? Because when you're celebrating, what's happening in your heart? Thankfulness. A hymn. And then he says spiritual songs. These are songs from the Spirit, literally in the Greek. The Greek takes this word spirit and makes it an adjective and makes it describe something. It's describing a song. Spiritual songs. Songs of the Spirit. This is why we take time in and around our worship time when we sing together to just leave room for you to sing whatever song you want to sing. Why? Songs from the Spirit. Spiritual songs. We've sung the psalm, we've sung the hymn, now we're just going to keep playing some music, and you just get this opportunity just to express whatever's going on in your heart. Why? Because that allows gratefulness and thanksgiving to start to grow. Why? Because the Spirit of God is moving on you, and you just start to sing with gratefulness, with thankfulness in your heart to God. These are words prompted by the Spirit of the living, creative God rising up. And how are these songs supposed to rise up? The last line of this verse says it, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. See, he starts by saying, be thankful. Then he says, do these things with thankfulness in your heart to God. Every step of this passage is, ends with, be thankful, with thankfulness. Here it is again. It's the key even to our worship. When our hearts are full of thanksgiving, we worship differently. The words on the screen mean something. They mean something. We're not distracted by this or that in the room. We we look at those words and we go, wow, that's true about God and it's true about my life and it's true about my heart. And suddenly it means something when I sing it, right? It means something. I'm not just like, just like singing random songs on the radio. I'm, I'm singing songs that mean something about him. Okay. Verse 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. When this word was spoken over me, I didn't really understand it much, and I didn't really look at it too much. I didn't, like, it wasn't until I got a little bit further down the road of my life, and I had felt a lot of pressure to be something. 
I went to college for music performance. I went to ministry school. I was a director of marketing in an event space. I worked at the YMCA. I went to YWAM. I was a worship pastor. I was a children's pastor. I was a business developer and, and public relations officer. I've done a bunch of different things, and I realized it wasn't for me about choosing one thing and doing it the rest of my life, which is totally fine, by the way. It was about, because I believed I had the direction of God in each of these areas of my life and my career. But more than that, it was about sensing the pleasure of God over my life. It wasn't about getting direction from God, which I had. It was about the pleasure of God. And I loved this, and I was like, God, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? And this verse says it, whatever you do, whatever you do. I feel like I need to just free some young people this morning and say, whatever you do. Some of you have some real pressure on your life today. You're like, oh, I've got to be this thing. I need to be this thing. I've got to do this thing. I've got to go. I've got to do that. I've got to be. I've got to be. I've got to be. I've got to be. And I want to take some pressure off you and just say, from the Apostle Paul here, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, whatever you do. Like it says in Ecclesiastes, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with everything you have. Whatever you do, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus and look at how we're supposed to do it. Giving thanks to God the Father through him. Look at this. Put that, put that up there really quick. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, whatever you choose to take, whatever your next step is, whatever you're walking into, whatever doors are opening ahead of you, awesome. When you grab that doorknob, open it and do everything on the other side of it, all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Give it everything you've got in Jesus' name. Eliminate hesitation from your life and move forward in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ that he loves you, he's pleased with you, he's passionate about you, and he wants relationship with you. In the end, that's what this little cup and this little wafer are all about. Him desperately desiring relationship with you and I and pursuing it at any cost. At any cost. When I was growing up, there was a term that was used in the church all the time. That, oh, that guy, he's just radically saved. Oh, she's radically saved. What did that mean? It mean God's, meant God saved them out of some radical stuff. That's how it was used back then, like radically saved. Ooh, you know, all these, all the, all the, the chains of addiction, and, the th and that's amazing. Like they're radical, radically saved, radically saved. And I always just, as a church kid, thought like, man, I want to be radically saved. <laughs> you know what? He gave his blood for me. He gave his body for me. The Bible says he was broken. He was broken for you and for me. And when I would ever feel that way, like I want to be radically saved, he would point to this and himself on a cross and say, but you were. Greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for a friend. 
There's nothing more radical than this. You are radically saved. If you know Jesus today as your Lord and Savior, you are radically saved. If you don't, he wants to radically save you today with his body and his blood broken on a cross a way that nobody should die just for you. Young person, you're sitting here de deciding what steps to take in your life, what doors you should knock on, what doors are open, that maybe there's three doors in front of you. You don't even know which way to go. You need to understand, he's standing here saying, hey, I just want you. He doesn't want, he, he's got your next steps. He doesn't need like all of these like, God, I give you all that. He's got your next steps. He just wants you. And if you're sitting in this room today and you don't know him as Lord and Savior, today I'm here to tell you there is no greater decision you can make than knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He will radically save you and radically change your life. Maybe you're a church kid sitting here today and you're just saying, man, I, I don't know. And he's saying, I do. I do. Holy Spirit's here today just to move on our hearts. See, it all boils down to being thankful. Whatever you decide to do, do it with thankfulness. Walk in thankfulness. Singing praise to God, do it with thankfulness. Studying the word of God, do it with thankfulness. Going in the family of God, do it with thankfulness. Need the peace of God, grow thankfulness. Want more of the presence of God, thankfulness. As the people of God, we're called to be thankful people. Let's stand together. Worship team, would you come? I just want to read over you, and you can put it up on the screen. I want to read this passage over you in the message. Would you just close your eyes right where you stand or sit, wherever you are, just. Be 15 through 17 in the message says, let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with each other, in step with each other. None of this going off and doing your own thing and cultivate thankfulness. Let the word of Christ, the message, have the run of the house. Give it plenty of room in your lives. Instruct and direct one another using good common sense and sing, sing your hearts out to God. Let every detail in your lives, words, actions, whatever, be done in the name of the master, Jesus. Thanking God the Father every step of the way. This morning as we take communion together, if you have not received communion yet and you need, still need the elements for communion, um, just quickly raise your hand and we'll get some elements of communion to you. There's one here, one there. Just a couple around. Just keep them up till somebody hands it to you. There's a few down front.
thanking God the Father every step of the way. I don't know what step you're on today, but this verse has been like an iron anchor driven into the mountainside for me. And I think it might be for you today as we maybe have our hearts open to being thankful more. I get really distracted. That's when I find out I'm not being very thankful or very grateful. I'm distracted by circumstances and situations. And what I need to remember is the body and the blood of Jesus broken and poured out for me. And let that cultivate thankfulness in my heart. So right now, Jesus, we just repent for any area where we've stepped out of being grateful and thankful before you. Any area, Jesus, where we've just, where our hearts have stepped out of that beautiful place of thanksgiving, of thankfulness to you. Just, if that's you today, just, just speak out to the Lord and just say, if there's anything, you maybe got distracted and got your eyes off of being of thankfulness toward Jesus for who he is and all he's done in your life, just repent right now. Say, God, I'm sorry for that. Restore gratefulness and thanksgiving in my heart. Sometimes I understand in my life that actually maybe the circumstances I'm walking through are to help prompt thankfulness in my life. God's using those things to bring thanksgiving back into my life. God, we want to be a thankful people. Come Holy Spirit. And if you're here today and you say, I, I don't really even know what we're talking about. I just came to church. That's awesome. If you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you can start one today. If today you don't know Jesus and you'd say, hey, I need Jesus, we want to pray with you. Would you just raise up a hand and we'll pray with you. Someone will just meet you and pray with you right where you are. If today you don't know Jesus and you want to receive Jesus today as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you that opportunity. If that's you, just raise up one hand and somebody will just come and pray with you right now. Lord Jesus, with thankful hearts, we hold this cup in our hands and we just say to you, we could never repay what you've done. God, and with this bread in our hands, we just say we could never repay who you are and what you've done. Thank you so much for saving us, for sacrificing your life, Jesus, for mine. I'm so thankful. Can we just say that as we partake of the bread today? Just say, I'm so thankful, Jesus. I'm so thankful, Jesus. I'm so thankful. Jesus, as we participate in this act of communion and remembrance today, as we remember, will you just stir thoughts of love and thanksgiving toward you today, Jesus? We love you so much. We're so thankful for you. Let's partake of the cup together.
of my duplicity Now there is no record You assume the best of me And this is how I thank the Lord For saving me when I was weak So I will sing This is how I thank the Lord For everything This is how I thank the Lord And this is how this is how I thank the Lord for saving me when I was weak. So I will sing. This is how I thank the Lord for everything. This is how I thank the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. This is how I you've done and who you are and hear our thankful hearts. 
we love you. Jesus, we love you. There's no one like you. You've changed our lives. You've set us free. You've delivered us. You've changed us. You've changed us. You've rescued us. You're a righteous tower that we have run into in dangerous times and we've been saved. You're our shield. You're our strength. You've supported us when we were weak. You've lifted us up when we were down. You've set our feet onto a foundation that we didn't have before. And now the only reason we can stand to praise you is because our feet are set on you. Jesus, we love you. And we just say today that none of this is our own doing. None of this is our doing. But it's your doing. So Jesus, we just give you all of the praise, all of the honor, all of the glory today. In your precious name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, God, we thank you. We praise you, God. You're worthy. If you just want to hang out in the presence of God, you're welcome to do that. We're just going to keep meeting with God. If you need prayer for any reason, we have a whole ministry team that's ready to meet with you. If you need prayer for any reason, come on up and get prayer. Come on up and receive prayer. Uh, and then, I'll, uh, so God bless you. You're dismissed. Have an incredible day. If you need prayer for any reason, come on up and let the ministry team pray for you. They want to pray for you. Come on up, ministry team. And then also, here are some words for prayer. That as the ministry team was praying today, they felt that some people needed prayer for us. So if this is you up on screen, I want you just to come on up and get prayer. We're ready to pray for you for any reason. Thank you, Jesus. This is how I thank the Lord for having me when I was weak. Thanks for listening. To respond or receive prayer after the live stream closes, please email prayer at vineyardboise.org. And if possible, include your phone number. We'd love to get in touch with you. Thanks.